0: We are, well, we've been looking at coming events, systematic theology approach to the end times, to prophecy. Um, as we know, the book of Revelation is a summary of unfulfilled prophecies. And so when you take the, this, these prophecies and try to put them together, you get a systematic theology and you get a model that is built. And then, of course, you're always looking for the finer points of the model and a little, little better picture of the um, uh, events that are going on. And those, those continually come into focus as we keep on studying. But uh, we've been, we first ask uh, why study prophecy at all? Because a lot of churches today don't even talk about prophecy, they don't talk about the Lord's return, unless they want to say He's going to return in the hearts of men and and somehow miss the whole point. It's a literal return back to this earth and the clouds of the sky to take all of us, all of the Christians out of here. And then how do you interpret it? What are the hermeneutics of prophecy? What do you look at? What do you evaluate? How do you go about putting together this model? We looked next at the next great prophetic event, which is known as the rapture. What does the scripture say about it? And uh, we gave it a a date and a time and a location. No, we didn't. We didn't do any of that. But what we did was say it is next in the sequence of events. Uh, That we can clearly say, and we can describe it. Uh, We dealt with the issue of when does it happen. It says no one knows the day or the hour. That's still true. That's still true, so we don't. So please don't date it, because you're pretty well assured that it's not going to be that time. And the more people that date it, then, of course, the smaller the subset so anyway let's just not try to date it let's just try to uh, be ready for when the trumpet sounds what factors affect the timing now we looked at that in great depth the first thing had to do with Israel being back in the land the parable of the fig tree being fulfilled national Israel's come back in the land not in belief yet They, they won't be in belief till the second advent There'll be some who believe but they're they're not going to be in belief till the second advent when all of Israel shall be saved. What happens at the rapture was one of our topics that we looked at as to how do we uh, uh, what's going to happen We'll be transformed in a in an instant in the blink of an eye. We saw the end time nations Now there are certain nations that have to be in existence for the end times to occur this seven years of Uh, tribulation. We have the king of the north for one, king of the south, kings of the east, the king of the west which is the antichrist. We have Israel and religious and prophetical Babylon that also have to be in existence when the rapture occurs. So we looked at them and identified them. We saw some events following the rapture on earth and that was about the uh, uh, whole thing of the tribulation, the 2,520 days that will occur, seven prophetic years ending at the second advent. And then we looked at the millennial kingdom and now it's time for the eternal state. So we've gone through this uh, systematically. We've started at the beginning. Why even bother to study prophecy? And a simple answer to that is at least a third of Scripture. So it sounds like a pretty good idea if all Scripture is profitable that we spend some time studying prophecy in our life. Now we're looking at the eternal state, and as always, anything prophetic, we need to go in front of the throne of grace, we need to let the Holy Spirit be our teacher, because human teachers just bring forth the information, but the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us to understand it, and uh, importantly, knowing how to apply it to our everyday lives, so that it becomes beneficial to us in order to deal with the events of the last days and also is beneficial in order to evangelize because you will run into people that'll just go I don't know what's going on in this world and you can give them some help and some guidance as to what is getting ready to happen and that can easily lead into believing the Lord Jesus Christ and all that stuff you read about in Revelation you don't want to be a part of that's how you miss it is be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a great entryway into the gospel. In fact, the last chapter, Revelation 22, is going to tell us just exactly that. The spirit and the bride say, come on. That's part of what we're supposed to do. So let's take this time for prayer and get ourselves ready to study the word of God. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you for the blessings. We thank you for the test. Father, we thank you for this time in which we live because, Father, it, it is exciting in a way to see so many things coming together and the scene being set, uh, things being laid out so that when that trumpet sounds and our Lord comes back, Father, it's going to set in, in uh, motion. It's going to bring to completion the things that you have spoken about in your word. So, Father, I pray that as we open up your word today, look at the passages that deal with the eternal state, I pray that you'll grant us understanding, comprehension, I pray you'll grant us wisdom, and grant us opportunities to share it with those who especially are are lost and perishing. So, Father, we come to you today and ask for your enlightenment, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, the eternal state, we learned that this is called the day of God. Uh, this is 2 Peter chapter 3 and verses 8 through 13. We saw this last week. We may see it twice more today before we're done. So it's called the the Day of God. It says, Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning. It's talking about what the Lord is going to do when all of uh, this human time that has been set aside that includes a battle between God and Satan. This this thing is done and then he is going to completely take out this present heavens and earth and completely remake them. Now I think that maybe that's the final judgment on evolutionary theory if you think about it. Hmm. See, it seemed like everything, according to that, happened over a slow period of time, billions and billions and billions of years. And, and it, it, have you noticed, since I was in high school, which wasn't that long ago, long enough, the earth has gone from 5 billion to 15 billion years old? Have you, have you noticed that? Because when I was in high school, it was only 5 billion years old. But now I think 15 is the latest thing that that we have. Anyway, what's the Lord going to do? No more heavens and earth. What's he going to do? Probably speak like he did the first time. And what is there? New heavens and earth. Now, So so much for uh, that type of all things continue as they were since the beginning, which Peter deals with in that passage. Now the day of God begins with the final battle of Armageddon. We have to factor this in. Revelation 16 tells us that there is going to be a transitional period into what we know as the eternal state with the new heavens and new earth being created. But it is not created at the outset of the millennial kingdom. He's going to put the earth back together so it'll be uh, habitable. So it will grow and produce and, and do things that it pretty well lost during the tribulation. But it begins with the final battle of Armageddon. And then he's going to put that back together until the time that uh, you could call it a catastrophe. Because he's going to destroy everything and make it all new. Revelation 16, verse 12 to 16, uses the phrase, the day of God. That's why this is in here. It says, and the sixth angel poured out his bowl upon the great river, the Euphrates. Now, this is the bowl judgments. The final judgments They happen just before the Lord returns and sets his feet on the Mount of Olives. They happen just in that time frame, the sixth bowl, and its water was dried up that the way might be prepared for the kings from the east. So it's going to be a little before the second advent when the bowl is poured out. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. They make croaking noises. It's probably just master politicians roaming around that make a lot of croaking noises. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God the Almighty. Okay? So this is the, this final battle of Armageddon, the six bowls are going to gather together all these entities right there around Jerusalem for this final battle to occur, because the Armageddon is a polemos, it is a campaign, it includes many, many battles that ends in a final battle, and then the Lord says, behold, I'm coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays away and keeps his garments, lest he walk about naked, and men see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Har Magadan, Armageddon, that's where we get the, get the term from. Now, <clears throat> we know that God is going to create a new heaven and new earth. And again, these are this is the verses. This is where it says it. It's not just speculation. We're dealing with what the Bible says. It says... According to his promise in 2 Peter 3.13. Now the promise is found in Isaiah 65.17 and Isaiah 66.22. Okay. According to his promise, Peter picks this up. New Testament writer, ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he is saying this is a prophecy. It's already been given and it's not yet fulfilled. According to his promise, we are looking for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells in which righteousness dwells won't that be nice won't that be nice to see it'd be nice to see a little bit of righteousness now but uh, the way that the the our battle's not against flesh and blood we could call out a political party or everything let's call out satan where the real issue is he's the one that's unrighteous and so he's the one who is uh, spreading this unrighteousness he and his demons communicate to unbelievers we learn about that as we study angels and various things they communicate to unbelievers and those unbelievers take what they get and they spread it some people say well that's that's too supernatural for me well Uh, I can show you a book. I don't recommend you pick it up and read it. But uh, there are are books that the demons actually signed the chapters. The names of the demons that dictated them to their human recipients. And uh, they're spooky. I mean you get a hold of one of those things. Because it is twisting the word of God beyond anything that you can possibly imagine. Now immediately after the millennium Satan will be released for a short time. Revelation 20, verse 3. We've just been studying this in the second session in our verse by verse. So we're going to have some overlap today. He says, and he threw him into the abyss. Satan will be released for a short while and shut it and sealed it over him so that he should not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for. A short time. A short time. So here is Satan locked up. He's indwelt the Antichrist, remembered during the uh, tribulational period. Okay. As soon as the Lord comes back, to the Mount of Olives, he takes the beast, which is the beast out of the sea, the Antichrist, and the false prophet, the beast out of the land. He takes them and he throws them into the lake, lake of fire. But the devil's not inside of him anymore. So he had 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 this this representative there that he used as a host much like he did Judas uh, like he did the snake he had this representative and so he is now the beast and false prophet are thrown in the lake of fire but the devil now is locked up and it's quite interesting to find out what happens to him while he's down there locked up because the first part of Isaiah 14 before it gets to the five I wills when he said I'll be like the most high before it gets to that it tells us what it's going to be like for the old devil in Hades torments uh, for that thousand years because he's going to have a whole lot of people coming up there and he's, you might call him the king of the abyss but they're not going to treat him like a king <laughs> they're going to say look what you did to us they're gonna, he's going to listen to that for a thousand years then he gets out, but he's had a thousand years to make a plan. He really thinks he's got it now. Satan's going to personally lead a revolt called the Gog and Magog Rebellion without having to work through other agents like Judas and the Antichrist. Now, in the middle of this thing called the angelic conflict, the battle of the ages, as you read the Bible, you have to realize that there is something else going on in the background. It's the elevator music. Uh, it's the white noise. Okay, I, I sleep with a CPAP machine. Okay, I sleep with a CPAP machine. I can't hear it. After, after it goes on, I'm, I'm conscious less than a minute, usually. It's about <laughs> how long it takes. And the little noise that it makes, it doesn't bother me one bit. Helen and I moved into Weatherford, Oklahoma one time in college, and we just got our mobile home set up. We had a great place on the back row of this mobile home, and and it was so, so neat. We thought, boy, this is cool. There's only two other trailer houses. That's what we called them back then. Only two other trailer houses on this back row. We're going to have some peace and quiet. I'm literally writing out the check to the guy who brought the home and set it up, and a train comes by, and we are not 50 feet from this train track (laughs) and so we just kind of looked at each other started laughing because it was too late to move it we didn't have any more money to move this thing out of there even to a closer deal so here's this you know that train came by between two and three o'clock every morning do you know that became white noise we just it didn't even bother us had some friends spend the night one time (laughs) it bothered them. (laughs) they thought it was coming through the through the middle of the mobile home so anyway that's what is actually going on in the background it's like that white noise with angelic conflict this whole thing is going on and it's just given to us in little pieces of scripture and as you pay attention to the details then again you get another picture of what the angelic conflict really is. And who is behind it. And the devil is indeed behind it. Now he has had some restrictions. And he had to work through human agents. When he worked through the serpent. I say human except for the snake. The, the, the serpent. The Judas. The Antichrist. He had to work through hosts. But now he's let out by himself. Probably the last part of his appeal was, God, you made me work through those, that idiot snake and Judas, of all things, and now I want a chance to, to show them just who I am. God says, okay, lost this anyway. When a thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison. He will come out to deceive the nations in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog, to gather them together for the war, the number of them is like the sand of the seashore. That's the repopulation of the millennial kingdom. And there's going to be a rebellion led by Satan after the thousand years. And they came up on the broad plain of the earth. And see, this is kind of cool, because what happened to the earth with the final judgments? There wasn't any mountains left except Mount Zion. It was turned into a broad plain prophecy is not contradictory prophecy fits together beautifully of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city there were still believers there in beloved city which is Jerusalem and so they get all ready and they're going to wipe out the saints much like they tried to do at the end of the tribulation it says and fire came down from heaven and devoured them that's all we know about the battle he got this thing going how did he get it going we don't know we don't have any answers about that but we do know he'll be let out for a short time, is what it says. He'll be let out for a short time after the thousand years are completed and lead another rebellion. He will then be cast into the lake of fire forever. Revelation 20:10. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now that's about the best way you can say forever and ever. It's just like it said. Is it going to end? There's no indication that it's going to end. After God puts down the rebellion. Okay? The day of God started back there near the end of the second advent, but it was a transition period into this eternal state. After he puts down the rebellion, the present heavens and earth are destroyed. Revelation 20 verse 11. Now, John said, I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away. When is this going to happen? Right at the time of the great white throne. And no place was found for them, earth and heaven. That's the them in the context. So what's he going to do? He... God, in, in His omnipotence, His omniscience, His omnipresence. He's going to make heaven and earth disappear. You know what people would be faced with? The unbelievers, the great white throne. Believers have already been resurrected. What are they going to be faced with? No place was found for them. Unbelievers will then be resurrected to meet their final doom. A thousand years, Satan cast into the lake of fire... Present heavens and earth destroyed the white throne. In Revelation 20 verse 12, I saw the dead, the great, and the small standing before the throne. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things that were written in the books according to their deeds or their works. These are verses coming up either today or next week. This is where we are in Revelation 20. And the sea gave up their dead which were in it and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them and they were judged every one of them according to their deeds then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire this is the second death the lake of fire and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life he was thrown into the lake of fire now we're going to unravel those passages here and it's beautiful information because the The Scripture invites us to compare Scripture with itself. Let Scripture interpret Scripture. Some of the basic hermeneutics that that, uh, we were taught and was taught throughout Protestant biblical hermeneutics for a long time until people started trying to go back to the allegorical school of thought. But it was taught, let Scripture interpret itself. When you have a problem, go to Scripture to find it. Now, commentaries, Commentaries can only really help with maybe some grammatical issues if it's an exegetical commentary. I've got comment. I had a guy write me one time, and I, we were discussing a verse, and I, it was Hebrews seven twelve, and he said, I've got 20 commentaries sitting on my shelf, and not one of them says that's got anything to do with dispensations see. That, that's a verse that says where there is a change of priesthood of necessity there's a change of law to me it defines dispensations okay? and he said not one of them did and so I wrote him back so occasionally I'd turn into a smart aleck and those of you who know me know that occasionally I turn into a smart aleck and I, I've known this guy a long time and I wrote him back and I said you know I've got 40 commentaries on my shelves and not one of them Says it has anything to do with dispensations either, and I said that's the problem. You're reading the commentaries instead of the book that they're supposed to be about. Read the book. Commentaries might shed a little light on stuff, but they are not your standard of interpretation, and you should know that. So I did that to to the guy, and. Uh, we didn't have a lot of conversations after that. And I said, you know, you're going to try and hammer me with that? It's just not going to work. Now, <clears throat> unbelievers be resurrected. The new creation, now this is where it gets fun, <laughs> is incorruptible. What does that mean, incorruptible? That's the description, Revelation 21.1, 1, 1. picked up, I didn't quote here, 1 Corinthians 15.50 through 58 as well I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven the first earth were passed away and there's no longer any sea there's no longer any sin there's no longer any sin can can you imagine a world without sin a world where honor means something a world where people don't call evil good and good evil a world where Righteousness dwells in that the prophecies of Isaiah, 2 Peter. The new earth will have a new Jerusalem. The new earth will have a new Jerusalem. And this is Revelation 21. It's the last three chapters of the book that we've been looking at. See, Revelation 20, 21, 22. And this new Jerusalem is as beautiful as a bride. Revelation 21, verse 2. And I saw the holy city. This is John. Wouldn't you just love to have seen this? But he didn't have any words really to describe it. He's using the best of what he has to describe it. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of literally the heaven from the god remember the peoples were worshiping all kinds of gods there so he makes the distinction the heaven the one that our god exists in from the god made ready as a bride adorned for her husband As a bride adorned for her husband and you know that's one of the great things about doing weddings i, I love to do weddings and actually if the uh, Funerals aren't too bad if the person's a believer, okay? But the weddings are really neat because people put on their best. They look their best. They spend their time getting themselves together. And um, I don't think I've ever seen an ugly bride. It doesn't happen. Why? Because they have made themselves ready and how's he described this new Jerusalem? How? What? Prettiest thing you've ever seen? It's where God dwells with man. Revelation 21, verse 3. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. And he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Now the Lord took his seat on the throne in Jerusalem for the millennium, did he not? But there's something special about this new heavens and new earth. It is a relationship unlike any before. There he shepherds the nations with a rod of iron. But you know what? He is God. He is your friend. He is your brother. What? Forever. That is heaven. I hear people talking about heaven and everybody's got their own ideas of heaven. Some people think heaven is going to be what I want it to be. Okay. I mean, with the racetracks and the cars, you know, (laughs) all the... (laughs) All the downtime, whatever you want to do, that's what heaven's going to be like. That's not the big part of it. What's going to be the big part of it is being in the presence of the Almighty. Now, right now, it might be a little bit scary, right? Might be it scared Isaiah half to death, Isaiah chapter 6. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips when he heard holy 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 but then we shall be holy like he is holy so it's not going to scare us one bit to be in his presence because we are not going to sin anymore he gave us this righteousness at salvation and now in this new body this righteousness comes into full bloom we are a new creation but it has not yet been shown what we shall be. But we shall see him like he is. We don't have that body now. We can just get glimpses. We can get some of the, I don't want to call it noise going on. But we can just get little glimpses into eternity. And we do that as we, as we read these verses and think about what do, they, what do they mean. There's not going to be any tribulation of any kind. Have any of you had tests in the last week? I told you a couple of weeks ago about some of the tests I've had. Most of you know about the tests that I've had. And it was kind of interesting. And I said, you might as well laugh at them. Last Monday or Tuesday, I get a phone call from my proctologist saying that it is time for a colonoscopy. And I just started laughing. <laughs> this is not going to happen now. <laughs> well, I thought, well, okay, another test. Don't need it. Ain't going there. So that's where we're that's where we're going. And I thought, of all times, to get a call like that. <laughs> when, you know, mom's not doing real well, and uh, playing whack-a-mole trying to take care of legal matters and everything else that's that's going on and all of a sudden somebody wants to do that and i want no we're not going to do that there's not going to be any tribulation you're not going to get any phone calls like that in the eternal state your body's not going to need repairs it's not going to need an oil change it's not going to need all these other things that we talk about vaccinations inoculations we're not going to be arguing over those like we are now Are we? We don't need anything like that, and no more sin. This is Revelation twenty-one four, and He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning, or crying, or pain. The first things have passed away. That was all part of this heavens and earth. Okay. The new one's not going to have anything like that. And I know right now, isn't it, all these tests we've got part of what makes life exciting? You don't know what's going to happen from day to day when we go to the eternal state. Is it going to get bored, boring? No, I don't think so. Because we are in fellowship with an omniscient God that can outthink us at every turn. We're not going to get bored. You know, sometimes you might talk to people. and You say, well, I'm just tired of talking to them. You've been talking to them for days or something. I'm tired. You're not ever going to get tired of talking to him. Or, and you're never going to get tired of talking to one another. Isn't that amazing? That means that we can all be eloquent and flowing for all of eternity. We can be part of a conversation I don't think there are going to be dead spots in the conversation Have you you know we have a group of people and all of a sudden it gets quiet you don't know where that quiet thing came from you're listening to the radio the thing they hate the most is dead air time <laughs> there's not going to be any of that you say well that's more talking than I want that's not heaven for me no it'll be valuable conversation that, w- that will be going on now this is guaranteed to be new Revelation 21 5 it says and he who sits on the throne said behold I am making all things new I like that all things new because this is new not only in substance because he has melted away the old heavens and earth so this is all new as far as the the elements itself carbon hydrogen i don't know if that's what they'll be or not but those are the basic building blocks it's the word that is used in second peter it is used when it says that he melts them away with an intense heat the indication is he just takes every part of that periodic table out and makes a new one now what's he going to make it out of i don't know I don't even know if we'll need a new periodic table. It's just all going to be brand new. And he, <coughs> he says, I'm making all things new. It's substance and it's quality. This, this word is wrapped up in, in beauty. Right, John, you. Why? For these words are faithful and true." So, are you looking for this new heaven and earth in which righteousness dwells? Because it's so easy to get our eyes on the horizontal out here that we forget the vertical. Okay? What does Satan want you to do? Not look up. Doesn't it say, set your mind on the things above where Christ is? That, that's Colossians 3. That's where that's our, what our mindset is supposed to be. But boy, we turn on the news and it's all out here, isn't it? And it's all out here. And they're doing their best to try and talk people into not believing God even exists. They are attacking him at every turn. They're attacking Jesus at every turn. Phil Robertson's got a new book out uh, called uh, Jesus and the politicians or something like that I just got a glimpse of it last night and I thought I'll bet that would be pretty good I, I like old rednecks like that they speak a whole lot of truth real clear and he uh, one thing about it, it you're not going to shut that man up are you if you know anything about him he will tell you clearly about the Lord because he he knows, he knows him This new heavens and earth is as glorious as the most precious stone. Revelation 21.10, He carried me away in the Spirit to a great and a high mountain. Hey, this new heavens and earth's got a mountain on it. A great and high mountain, doesn't it? And showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a piece of crystal clear jasper. The gates to the New Jerusalem will have the names of the twelve tribes over them, with the names of the twelve apostles on the foundation stones. Now this is part of why I believe there was only twelve who had the gift of apostleship. There were more than that. Apostle Barnabas was an apostle. Ten uh, an apostle. That's a new church office he was an apostle uh timothy was an was an apostle but there are only 12 i believe with the gift of apostleship based on this the names of the 12 apostles on the foundation stones revelation twelve twelve. it had a great and a high wall with 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels and names were written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. Sounds like there'll be directions in the eternal state, doesn't there? And the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones. And on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. So this whole, whole thing comes together. New Jerusalem kind of reminds us of the old one, doesn't it? Reminds us of the foundation of the church. Reminds us of what the, the Lord uh, did with the twelve tribes, and out of the twelve tribes, as goofy as they were, still came the Messiah. It'll be of a material nature, recognized both angels and human by both angels and humans. From Revelation twenty-one, the one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates. "...and its walls, the city's laid out as a square, and its length is as great as its width, and he measured the city with the rod 1,500 miles high, its length and width and height are equal, so it's a cube, and he measured its wall, 72 yards according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements." Or standards. Now, that to me is a little piece of information that carries on in through the angelic conflict. It's just one of those things. It's kind of God's parting shot, isn't it? Because what happened with the angels also happens with men. And he says, which are measurements or standards. In other words, they're standards of righteousness for angels and men that are the same. And he's, I think that's what that is teaching. And it's adorned with new precious stones. Revelation 21, verse 18 to 21. The material of the wall was jasper. The city was pure gold like clear clear glass. And a lot of these, if you were to look at the Greek words and things, it's. There, some of these are kind of hard to identify with modern precious stones. But you're going to have... New elements that form these precious stones. So what are they going to be like? It says, It was jasper. The city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone, jasper. The second, sapphire. The third, chalcedony. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, sardonic. The sixth, sardius. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth topaz, the tenth chrysopase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. Uh, Where's the oyster? Does God need an oyster to make a pearl? (laughs) This is part of what's so cool. (laughs) These are things that you look at that and go, that can't happen. And of course a skeptic, a doubter will look at that and go, oh, that's impossible not with my god <laughs> if he says it's going to happen it's going to happen and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass what amazing thing this is this city is going to be absolutely beautiful beyond anything that we can imagine now this new jerusalem eternal state is the believers ultimate inheritance Going back in Revelation 21 now, verse 6 and 7. He said to me, it is done. He's talking to John. This battle royal is done. This battle between God and Satan is done. It is no more on the table. It's not going to happen ever again. And he says, it's done. And listen to this phrase. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I love writings of john i love the gospel of john i love the epistles and the book of revelation but i love the gospel because throughout the gospel he uses the phrase ego i me in the greek which is i am which is the equivalent of yahweh in the old testament and so i you know tell me who said who are you what is your name remember moses and he goes i am i am the i am and then, he uses that same phrase the Lord does when he's talking to scribes, Pharisees, disciples, everybody can imagine. I am, Ego the resurrection and the life. I am, the bread that came down out of heaven. I am, the way, the truth, and the life. It sent shockwaves through him. They didn't like it one bit. Before Abraham came into existence, I am. He was God and man in the same person. And here he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. First and last letters of the Greek alphabet. The beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes shall inherit these things. How do you overcome First John 5, verse 4 and 5. Faith is a victory that overcomes the world. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ overcomes the world. An ongoing faith that continues to believe in Him and produce fruit in His name. He's going to inherit more. Crowns, gold, silver, precious stones. And I'll be, he, I w- will be His God and He will be my Son revelation 21:27. nothing unclean no one who practices abomination and lying will ever come in it but only those whose names are written in the lamb's book of life well <clears throat> the lamb's book of life we're going to look at that as we look a little farther and let the scripture tell us what it's all about because the key is there's more than one book there's more than one book there's multiple books, and they do different things for different reasons in different ways. So we're gonna we'll be looking at those in Revelation 21 in more detail. But this is part of the eternal state. I'm looking forward to this new heavens and new earth. And the more things stop working on my body, the more I look forward to it. Just the way the way we all are. But think about that. You know you can work for two or three hours and be so sore you can't hardly move the next day. But then you can, whatever you want to do, you can do it all day long. Um, Anyway, let's pray. Father, it's been a good time once again around your word. We are so blessed and honored that you have given us this opportunity to meet together. Father, I pray that this information will encourage us as we look out at the things in the world and see Uh, What a mess they are. And what people have done to attack you, to attack your son. Father, to try and desecrate your word. Father, we look and say that they've still lost the war. Father, we do pray that there'll be more that'll see the light. And indeed, become believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for them this morning. We pray that we will hang on and continue to keep our eyes set on on the things above.